Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, here we go. Let's go. Welcome in, everybody. It's another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. This is One Man's Opinion. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, liking, favoriting, commenting, sharing, this podcast with uh, everybody and anybody spreading the word, everybody appreciate it very, very much. That always helps no matter what platform you get it from, whether it's Apple or Google or Sirius XM or tuned in or Podbeam or Spotify, man. I appreciate each and every one of you. This is one man's opinion. This is episode 182. And this is a completely uncensored podcast this show will curse i will curse i will say bad things and i will say things that will offend you so if you're sensitive if you're one of those people that told me this week that they'll never listen to me again because i said that i think i said college was uh some kids fail out of college because they're bad parents uh that's too bad that that's what i'm going to do Podcast is probably not for you because this is not just something i'm not going to attempt to say the nicey nice things for everybody. Okay. I'm just a, it's a straight shooting type of show. That's what we do. My name, in case you're curious and just stumbled upon it. My name is Jeff Vance. You can hear me weekday afternoons on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio channel 87. I host a show called elite sports on that network. Also the host of Sirius XM fantasy football pregame show with my main man, Bob Harris, every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time throughout the NFL regular season. I am part owner and chief content officer of fantasyguru.com. That is the place to be. Brand new rest of season special, $100, everything. You get everything. Seasonal, daily, and betting, all NFL, all college football, $100 the rest of the year. That's 12 more weeks through the Super Bowl, everybody. You will win much more than $100 simply by following our NFL bets. And then whatever you make in DFS and or seasonal is all just gravy and bonus. And trust me, you will profit from that $100 special. Everybody that is uh, never been a lower price in the history of our company. And uh, we invite you in good taste of the best damn content in fantasy sports, the best community, the largest, most active community in all of fantasy sports at fantasyguru.com. If you want to upgrade your subscription package or anything, now there's not much they can do on the price break because we can't do the discount codes. That's one of those things that they won't let us do for whatever reason, but just write us a little email support at fantasyguru.com. Tell my guy, Ted Schuster, you'd like to upgrade and he'll work with you to get the best price you possibly can. But trust me, you want in right now. If you're an NBA fan, NBA is kicking. Our guy, Justin Fenserman, you heard on uh, several episodes ago on this very podcast, he's crushing it. A uh, slow start in betting. Fensty has turned it on. DFS has been pumping. People are winning. We're getting screenshots. And most importantly, everybody's having a good time. Watch along Wednesdays. Me, Armando, Fensty, Scotty B, Scott Bonder, the entire NBA crew. We watch NBA basketball and comment on it, tell you what's been going on. We make bets. We do in-game bets. We build DFS lineups. A great time there. That is the MVP package over at fantasyguru.com. So uh, get in there because I'm going to go full bore 
NBA. As soon as the NFL regular season is done, I am full on motherfucking NBA. So I'm in. So check that out over there. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans everywhere else, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. All right, let's dive in. I got a lot to talk about today. A little, uh, one of my big old research projects. And this one, I don't think, uh, I probably am not going to talk much about it on the Sirius XM show this time. This is podcast only for folks. want to give you guys some uh, little extras uh, for all the folks that take time to download and like and favorite, subscribe and comment to this podcast. Uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, tr- a lot of people have asked this question. Every, I won't say every year. No, it's not true. This year, there's a lot of people asking the question, is fantasy football harder? Is this a down year? Is this a shitty year? Is this a freak year? Is this a weird year? Right. And I think that is, it's always, it does feel that way. Feels that way to me. Feels that way to, uh, I know a lot of people have talked about it. Even our elite mafia crew, our, our people, our analysts at fantasyguru.com. It's kind of a weird year. There's no doubt about it. The game is changing. The NFL game is changing. But is the game really harder? And that's what I don't know if I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to try over the next 60 minutes on this program. Uh, and basically, what I've done is a five year research project. Uh, I'm going to compare scoring this year, last year, and the previous five years, so the four years before that, all right? So I'm going back and and just going to break it down for everybody in terms of a couple of things. His The positions change, quarterback, running back, receiver, defense. Oh, I'm sorry, tight end, not defense. Has the the overall point total? Is there more scoring or less scoring? We know NFL point scoring is overall down. You know it's it's down quite significantly. It's down almost ten percent from where it was to uh, back in twenty twenty one. You know, and it's down another whatever five six percent just this year alone. And we we haven't even gotten to the winter months yet, right? When we see it, last year, the previous couple of years, most games were in the forties. There would be three, four, five games a week with 50 or more expected totals. Now we're it's it's gone to the opposite side. Now we have three, four, five games a week under 40 expected totals. Right. So the game, that part of it's changed, but how does that affect fantasy football? And that's what I'm hoping to at least move the thought down, right? At least try to further the thought process on that very question. Is fantasy football harder? So we'll do that. A little recap. I am solo on today's program, everybody. So it's just little old me. No guests on the line. I do want to urge everybody go uh, listen and watch. Ray Flowers, Kyle L. Frank, Fantasy Sports Daily on our YouTube page on the uh, Elite Plus Network on YouTube it is free for everybody, and you could get the podcast version wherever your podcasts are found. Wherever you got this one, just sign on up for Fantasy Sports Daily, and boom, and you get every single day. And that they, they talk a lot of different sports. They, they'll talk baseball and football and basketball and hockey and soccer and all that stuff, and they'll have great guests, and Kyle and Ray do a very, very good job. And hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode with Ray Flowers. He d- does a great job, of course, one of my best friends in the world, and uh, – one of the best analysts that there are is in fantasy sports week 10 recap. Let's dive into this. Um, I think the big 
takeaway is like, holy shit, CJ Stroud's the real deal. Right? Is that what most of you are thinking too? And you look back at week 10, you're like, damn. So a couple of things with Stroud. You may be saying, well, man, yeah, you're you're late to this party. I'm not late to fucking anything. It's a thing that bothers me is that people chase so much. They chase every big performance. They chase every individual week. Every time somebody has a good week, the fantasy industry wants to suck their balls. And all of a sudden, thus, when C.J. Stroud actually really honest and truly starts breaking through, right? Beating a, a shitbag team at home isn't impressive just because you're a rookie. Going into the jungle, into Cincinnati, beating Joe Burrow, that's impressive. So timing is everything in sports and in fantasy sports. So, no, you get no extra credit for saying, oh, it was first on Stroud. doesn't matter, number one. He hadn't done anything. You guessed. Dumb fuck. You fucking stop guessing. I think through 10 weeks, we could safely say, holy shit. This kid's got something. I mean, he's he's got more than something. He's got the it factor. He's got the, you know, I don't really give a shit that Burrow or Mahomes or Josh Allen or any, I don't care who I'm against. I'm just going to start slaying people, right? That's what he's got going for him. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. It's a really impressive fate. That was a crazy impressive win. And uh, it, it's just crazy how good CJ Stroud is and has been this season. Now, is there room for improvement? Yeah. You look at some of the advanced metrics and things like that, and he's 27th in the NFL and on target percentage. Um, you know, he leads technically leads the National Football League amongst all qualified quarterbacks in bad throw percentage, 20.7% there so you know there's some there's definitely some negatives to his game right i mean there's definitely that he's getting good protection he's fourth in nfl in uh, amount of time to throw his pocket time right so like those types of things are definitely um room for improvement ways he can get better and do better and everything very good out of play action, very good um, running those RPOs and doesn't run out of them, but is a threat to on the outside and freezes linebacker. So he's running that very well stuff that he le learned at Ohio state. So, you know, very impressed with Stroud. He, I called him that dude. He's that dude. Joe Burrow's that dude. CJ Stroud. He didn't not unflappable going back down the field was crazy. Impressive and scoring uh, other takeaways from the week. Uh, well, I, let's talk Monday night football a little bit. The bills on the bad side and the Broncos on the good side for one. I mean, isn't it fucking crazy that I mean the bills, the, what a difference it makes that 12th man on the field penalty where Will Lutz missed the kick. Will Lutz sucks. They they really are going to have to do something. I know Sean Payton traded for him, but my God, he, he is fucking awful. 
missing extra points, missing easy layup kicks, got a second chance and nailed it. The Broncos, you know, now four and five. And there's some big wins right there, and they're playing much better. But we can't ignore the fact that he missed that first one and only got a reprieve because that the Buffalo Bills are so fucking stupid. Just so fucking stupid. They fired their offense coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Um, it's not going to matter. It's really not the plays. It's gonna. It's not the playbook. You could tell it's not the plays that they're being called in Buffalo. It's really the execution and the turnovers from Josh Allen. And I don't know how to escape that and get better other than Josh Allen just having to get better in season. Yeah. And then on the Broncos side, like I'm very proud of the Broncos. Broncos are doing the things now that I told you back in whatever, back in June, when I recorded the episode binging the Broncos that they would do. And the players that are doing it while everybody else was the only Bronco other people liked was Jerry Judy and Jerry Judy basically doesn't exist in the universe right now. It's Cortland Sutton. And I told you it was Marquise Colston. It was Michael Thomas and Cortland Sutton is that X. He is that in Sean Payton's offense. Also told you Javante Williams. And, you know, we nicked in Roy Kent. A bunch of you bashed me for it, put me down, shit on me. Never going to get me to stop, though. It's this, it's I'm too confident. I know what I'm doing. And listen, Javante's not the perfect specimen. We didn't want him to be. We didn't, well, we always want him to be. We didn't expect him to be, right? But at the same time, he was running back 35 off the board, 36 off the board, sorry. And he's running back 29 as we enter play in week 11. That's pretty fucking good. I mean, that's pretty fucking good. Do we want more? Yeah, of course we wanted more. And by the looks of it, based on the volume, you know, he doesn't have a rushing touchdown. He's got two rushing touchdowns called back this year. Both his touchdowns are receiving. You give him those rushing touchdowns. And again, he's up to running back 24. That is what we were expecting out of Javante. So I'm happy with it. I'm happy with the way things are going for the Denver Broncos. And also Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is playing some incredibly good football. He he just is. He never will pass the eye test for me. He never has throughout his career. I get dumbfounded when he turns his back to the defense and does his little fucking pirouettes. It drives me nuts. Uh, it, it just does. But there's no question he's playing better. And what good co- what coaching does for a team is what's happening with Denver. And I strongly urge everybody out there, you have to completely throw out the 70 point, 70 to 20 game Miami versus Denver. There's too much production in one game. There's too many points in one game for it to be fair as far as evaluating either the Dolphins or the Broncos. It just isn't, is no longer a real thing because the team that scored 70 sure as fuck isn't the current Miami Dolphins. The team that gave up 70 sure as shit is not the current Denver Broncos. I urge people to do that. Remember, my, a lot of times when I'm analyzing things, most I don't do it during the season very often. This is... I've been doing this for weeks now with the Broncos and Dolphins because that game is just, it throws the numbers 
fucking way out, just way out. And I rarely do that. But in the off season, one of my bread and butter things that I've done for decades now in fantasy sports is I always take out the two best performances and the two worst performances. Give me the meat. What's real? What can we really truly count on? Right. I don't want to see these players at their absolute peak. I don't want to see them at their absolute worst. What are they normally? That's how you build winning fantasy football teams, championship caliber fantasy football teams. Right. So in that spirit, the Broncos are going to make a run at the playoffs here. Again, I've said that several weeks in a row right now. Right. And They've got games against the Vikings, the Browns, Texans, Chargers, Lions, Patriots, Chargers, and Raiders. There's a lot of winnable games now. Now there's also losable games. Vikings are playing well. Browns are extremely tough. Texans are playing well. Chargers are right there. The Lions are are fantastic. Patriots, not so much. But at the same time, Raiders, who uh, uh, they lost – the other thing about the Broncos, I brought this up on Sirius XM too. The Broncos lost to the Raiders by one point that opening week. Then they lost by two points against the Washington Commanders in week two, right? And by the way, like they had a chance to tie the ball game against the Commanders. They fucked over a two-point conversion, you know? Two-point conversion failed. Then they get blown out of the water. That 0-3 start against Miami, right? They lost by 10 against the New York Jets uh, in, in a game that Nate Hackett was all fired up about. And and remember that that was a three-point game with the Broncos with the ball until they fucking fumbled the ball. And that, that was another one-score game, that, and uh, Jets returned to fumble with 29 seconds remaining in the game as Broncos were trying for the game tying field goal. All right. And then they lost the chiefs 19 to eight in a game that was pretty shocking because like they held my era, uh, Kansas city's defense or offense down. I think they had 350 total yards in that ball game. And we expected, I certainly did at that point that Kansas city would crush. And ever since then, this team, you just see it. Beat Kansas City soundly. Uh, close win against the Green Bay Packers. Close win against the Bills. But this is a team that's gotten uh, a lot better as of late. Uh, the other thing, other takeaway. Oh, I want to talk about this uh, something. So I've had a weird season, and and this will lead into is this a weird season or not? I'm I don't want to make those excuses. And I don't want to make it. I don't want to make any excuses. Weird year, not weird year doesn't really matter. I want to win, and my NFL bets this season so far have not. Really, I shouldn't say this season. First six weeks, totally fine. Above five hundred, plus eight and a half units, right on pace, exactly where I'd want to be. Last four weeks have been fucking awful. Absolutely, fucking. Awful. All right. I've very secure now and what I was have been doing wrong and what I need to adjust. And quite frankly, it is my single game parlays because my prop bets for the season. Let's see. I am an NFL bets, the straight up bets. 
at least my main four of the week that I always do. I am 12 and 28. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable, man. 12 and 28 is so bad, right? However, this is where um, it gets different. On the flip side, on the NFL prop at side, I am, well, what do you know? 26 and nine so far this season. The number's off because I didn't do all the prop bets every single week. I did two, one week, three and another, one and another. Uh, on the th- So the prop bets have been working. The NFL side has it. My biggest problem, I, I now have solved the issue. The, the issue has been I've been forcing too many single-game parlays, and I have been doing too many overs. No, not even a question about it. Right. So what I've always done, my there's no trick to it. The single game parlay. What I do is um, I take the games I'm most sure about that. My projections build out a lot more points and fantasy points to be scored. And then I attack the lowest numbers, the ones where we have the biggest cushion between what I'm projecting and what Vegas is projecting. Right. And um, I'm going to just make one change. I'm, everything else will stay the same because the props have been good. My pure sides, meaning the winners, I've been very good at picking winners. My money line bets are profitable this season. The over-unders, I am no, I'm just realizing something I should have done a long time ago or four weeks ago. Fucking just slam over. Just inflate, use the alt lines, inflate the total and go under. That's it. Pretty easy change. Pretty easy change, right? And also, the other thing that I'm going to do, at least for the temporarily, uh, for our subscribers and all the listeners over at fantasyguru.com is I came up with a new concept. The concept is the betting bar. The betting bar, it's like a salad bar, right? And it's like an open bar. It's like a top shelf bar. It's, I will provide my analysis will provide you the best plays of any particular day, game, or slate. But there, you, the better, are going to have to make some – you're going to have to decide for yourself on what you want. It's like I'm giving you the burger. you got to put all your toppings on it. I'm giving you the bets. you got to decide. Are you going to do an 18 parlay? Are you going to do a two-teamer, a three-teamer? Are you going to put two uh, player props together? Like, how are you going to arrange it? Because, quite frankly, the way my last four weeks have been, I think a majority of you folks are going to be better at picking my bets and combine them than I am right now. That's just how it is. And that's fine. I don't give a shit how anybody wins. I just want you to win. And the analysis is too good. It's been too spot on to lose. Like I was down fucking almost 10 units after Sunday's games. So I did this, just a little sneaky peeky. I did this on Monday Night Football this week. I posted seven bets, and then I did a live bet as we were in there. 
and during the game, live bet on the Broncos, by the way, you winner. Um, and uh, I was six and two. I bet eight. Yeah, six and two. Eight. Eight bets is what I did. Six and two on the way. That's a profitable. So many more. Now, there are a couple guys who bet eight teamers, and some of them included the, the one of the uh, – uh, I had the Bills money line as one. I had Stefan Diggs over 50 yards as one. So there were folks who used those and lost because they combined it with something, but a lot more profitability, a lot more winners, right? Who just went simple. A bunch of folks just played all of them straight, even though the odds were kind of shitty, but still who cares? You're putting more money in your pocket, which is what this is about. So getting back to my roots, letting the analysis dictate it and just doing Winning, winning whatever the fuck they put in front of us. So the betting bar, new way to bet exclusively at fantasyguru.com. And uh, I'm damn confident going forward with that as well. All right, let's dive into now my big research project of the week that I um, was talking about moments ago. So let's answer the question, is fantasy football harder? Well, Let's look at data. Let's look at information, shall we? Because it's the most important thing. As we go forward and as we look at like what has changed, I, I think there are a couple obvious changes, right? For me in 2023, the things that are most notable, quite frankly, are sev- several of the things we warned you about two years ago, elite quarterbacks. Very proud of that analysis. Two years ago, I said, you know, this whole waiting on quarterback thing, I don't know about that. That's not a good idea. Let's go. Let's just use get make sure you get the elite quarterbacks and let everybody else fart around with these other fucks. And it's worked out magnificently over the last two years because the haves and have not at quarterback. Like, and I said this on Sirius XM the other day, super flex leagues are basically over the hill. I don't know how you can reasonably lie to yourself or your league mates and say, you want to continue doing a super flex league. Why? Why these, I mean, dog shit. You want to start Desmond Ritter? Geno Smith, Derek Carr, Mac fucking Jones, Gardner Minshew every week. Those are all top 24 quarterbacks. You know, I mean, in a 12 team league, you get to start. There's five teams starting them every week. Holy shit. Is that bad? Come on. That's ridiculous. And again, the only people who so love super play. Yeah. Because like you have. Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, or you got lucky on Howell or Stroud this year, of course, or Dobbs, right? Great. Super. But if you're sitting there with, I don't know, who's middle of the line, like Jared Goff and Jordan Love? Ah, and they're not even doing too terrible. Jordan, or Goff is top 12. Jordan Love is 15th as we sit here. Eh, 16th. It's fine, but is that is that something you really want? Quarterback play is down. Running backs, the other one. That is, those days are long fucking gone. Unless the NFL changes 
miraculously in the years ahead, which I don't think they will for a while. We will eventually go back to a primary ball carrier. We will go back to that because it does work. You just have to have the right guy, the right system, right? And the coach has to come and say, fuck this, fuck all this. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you 12 touches a game. And, you know, instead, here's a guy, you know, eat, we'll give each of our running backs 12 touches a game. Instead, give one guy 20, the other four. Like, that's the way it's been done. And you can win that way as well. Somebody will come. It'll come back again. But for right now, like, drafting running backs is silly. Right? It, there's just so few of them. Right? Dra- forcing a running back into your first or second round pick is like, mm. if they fall to you, if the right one's there, great. It's a good commodity to have because they are scarce. Running backs have become a scarce commodity now. It's a wide receiver-driven game. That's what we know. All right? And how can we tell? Well, let's get into the data. All right, so again, what I did, I did um, like fivefold. I went through the top 10 players right now at every position, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. And let's be clear, the quarterbacks don't really – the quarterback. The quarterbacks are their own thing. They're like David Pumpkins, my own thing. That's what quarterbacks are. Um, But even their roles have changed over the last five, six years. All right. And, but when it comes to scoring, I want to concentrate on running backs, receivers, and tight ends and the dichotomy between them. All right. And then I also want to talk about total points and scoring overall. Right. And where it's coming from. And is it more plentiful, less plentiful, same plentiful as it has been in previous years? So let's start like a nice, easy thing to grasp. Top 10 fantasy point scorers right now in fantasy football. Right. And if we include the quarterbacks, all right, amongst the top 10, then four out of the top 10 are quarterbacks. Right. But I don't, I want to get rid of those. I want to concentrate on running backs, receivers, tight ends. So four of them would be quarterbacks, but instead three are running backs, seven are wide receivers. Does that surprise you? Amongst the top 10 scores, seven wide receivers, Tyree Kill, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Not real. And by the way, uh, before last week, I think, yeah, Thielen was technically ahead of ETN, who was 10th. So, like, we almost got 8-2. to two. And no tight ends, by the way. No tight ends are within the top 10. Now, okay, you know, what does that mean? Is Well, last season. I went through last season, 2022, and I did it through 10 games. I didn't I, – I wanted to – compare apples to apples, oranges to oranges. So I didn't just do the whole season because, you know, who knows what can happen the rest of the way through the first 10 weeks last year, the top 10 performers, number one is six of the top 10 were quarterbacks last year. So elite level production from quarterbacks is down in 2023. But then the top 10, just between the flex positions, it was more diverse Four running backs Five receivers and one tight end. Obviously, we all know it was Kelsey last year. Okay. 
So a lot more similar. All right. Now, here's where it gets more interesting. And we see sort of an evolution. The previous five years, which actually includes the 2022 data, I just want to make sure that's on average, there are 6.1 quarterbacks in the top 10. So that no, that's pretty normal. So we are definitely down as far as the elite of the elite quarterback. Fine. 5.2 running backs. So more than half of the top 10 are usually running backs. Remember, four last year, three this year. 4.5 are normally wide receivers, and then we got that stupid point three. It's basically Kelsey. If Kelsey's been there, yes. If he has, I think I actually Mark Andrews was one one year. Point three. So what does that tell us at the top? Well, amongst the top 10, at least. And the top 10, the elite of the elite, the, the true league winners, right? The, the driving forces behind championship teams, for the most part, have been running back. And it's clearly receivers this year, clearly, right? And it's a bigger, the, the receivers right now have a bigger lead, seven to three, than running backs have had at any point in the last six years, if you count this year. That's pretty profound, right? That's pretty profound. Actually, no, running backs had a 7-3 to three and 18. Okay, one year they matched it. That was it. Like, that's fascinating to me. Now let's expand that. All right, that's top 10. Let's go top 20, okay? The top 20, of course, includes the top 10, but now we expand a little bit. This year, how many of the top 20 do you think were quarterbacks? Now, this is this is this shows you quarterbacks aren't too far off. 10. 10 of the top 20 are quarterbacks, if we counted them. All right. Overall. Last year there were only eight. And on average, it's 9.3. So it is kind of right in the middle. But so so we are the fact that quarterback. Elite, elite productions down. We see them trailing right behind us in the you know 11 through 20 range, which is cool. But now let's dive into running backs, receivers, and tight ends. Of the top 20 performers at running back or uh, at flex this year, only six of the top 20 are running backs. Six. That number was 10 last year through 10 weeks. That's fucking crazy. That's a dramatic fall again, even amongst top 20 and top 20. Now that is officially the elite level players. Now I'll expand. I'll keep going. But the top 20 players are truly the league winners. You know what I mean? And these are driving forces. 13 of the top 20 are receivers and only one tight end. That's uh Hawkinson. All right. Last year, Eight were quarterbacks. We throw that out. Ten were running backs. Nine were receivers and one tight end last year. So last year, the running backs were still right, you know, a driving force. On average, this is fat. This is this is how what fascinates a guy like me with numbers. On average, the top or the, uh, over the last five years, 9.25 running backs 
have been in the top 20. 9.5 wide receivers, and I did use some rounding here. I, I went two digits max, just so you guys know. And about 1.2 tight ends on average in the top 20. Fucking even, right? Amongst running backs and receivers. But yet in 2023, we're seeing the switch. All right. Now, that's this is noticeable. And this is something that shouldn't surprise us as much, but I think it helps to really understand. We just don't have the resources at these positions. I, I know I've said on the air and in our Discord over at FantasyGuru.com, a lot of people bitch about their running backs. I've had a lot of people. I was higher than most on Najee Harris, on Javante Williams. Um, let's not forget A-Chain and Kyron Williams that I was higher on that were actually really fucking good. Um, but the, 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 those two specifically, and Aaron Jones, those are three that I were on higher that have not performed. Well, yeah, did not perform very well in the early stages. And that led to a lot of people saying they hate their running backs and they're dead at running back and all. <laughs> Slow down, Kimasavi. You're not really that dead at running back. You're not nearly as bad at running back as any of you probably think. Let's expand it. Let's keep going, though. Top 30 overall. Now, top 30 producers, this wraps up the elite. After this, you know, we get into the mid-tier, you know, at some of these positions, quite frankly, right? The the true elite game change. These are still very productive, good players after the top 30, but this is the end of the elite for sure. 14 of which would be running, what I'm sorry, quarterbacks, all right, if we counted them. 13 would have been quarterbacks last year on average, 14.9. So a little bit higher. So that tells us quarterbacks down a little bit. That's why we used to have the weight on quarterback philosophy because eh, a quarterback is a quarterback is a quarterback. You used to get better production out of those mid tier guys, later round guys. We're not getting that anymore. Running backs, receivers, tight ends. The top 30, 10 are running backs. That's a nice jump, right? You get four extras from where we're at in the top 20. But it's still down. There were 15 last year in the top 30. Half. Right down the fucking middle. Now it's just a third. It's a big drop at the running back position. 17 wide receivers this year in the top 30. 17 in the top 30 are wide receivers. Three are tight ends. That's good for tight ends. Tight ends were up because only one in the top 30 last year. Also, Travis Kelsey is fucking dominated. Last year is 15 running backs, 14 receivers, one tight end. On average, over the last five years, 13.8 running backs, 14.2 wide receivers. So receivers have that. This is where the receivers caught up in years past. Running backs were running the shit. And quite frankly, the first two rounds is why we used to see so many running backs go off the board in the first two rounds because it was reactionary to that data, that information. Running back, you would hit, your hit percentage on a running back was a lot better back in those days. 
but now you start seeing those other receivers creep up. And again, 14.2 to 13.8 slight advantage and just 2.0 um, for the tight end spot over the last five years. Top 40. This is pretty, this is where, this is what I love. This is why I love this game. Cause you run these numbers and things start to re- regulate. And that's exciting. That's fun to see. That's how you know you're playing a game where skill is involved. If it's just random events, it's like going to the fucking dog track or, you know, betting on Los Alamitos fucking horse racing, quarter horse. Okay, it's just a bunch of random those lottery numbers. This this game is not that. It's not random. It holds true over long periods of time. Top 40. This year, 17 of the top 40 are quarterbacks. You know, it's a much lower percent than we've been seeing. Just three more than we're in the top 30. What was that number of quarterback last year in 2022? 17. 16.75 over the last five years. Now, that's pretty dead on, right, at quarterback. Running backs and receivers amongst the top 40 and tight ends. 14 this year, running back, 23 receivers. So just when they started to creep back up, just when running backs started getting back in, fucking receivers in the top 40. And to me, that's the most detrimental. You know, we're talking three and a half rounds. You know, this is where the receivers pulling away to this extreme is where it's just become fucking awful finding running backs. 23 receivers, three tight ends in the top 40 right now. Last year, these numbers, again, quarterback was the same, but running back was 19. Wide receiver is 20, so nearly a dead heat, and just one tight end still, top 40. Fuck. Having Kelsey was unbelievable last year. I know Kelsey owners right now are like, fuck. Not not so much anymore, but on average over the last five years, 17.3 at running back, 20.3 wide receiver, 2.4 at tight end. Okay, so that's what we're used to over the last five years. And then this year, you know, it's, it's down considerably. Running backs depleted. And then top 50, and this is as far as I'll go on this premise. Again, 17 of the top 50 performers are quarterbacks, so that's a break. Again, if a quarterback can't crack the top 50 in scoring where they get way more fucking points than running backs, receivers, tight ends, then why are we starting 24 of them in super flex and two QB leagues? We shouldn't be seven teams. Shouldn't just be like, oh, you start a bunch of dog shit. There were 19 quarterbacks, top 50 last year. And on average is 18.52 quarterbacks in the top 50 overall again i just think that super flex two qb leagues think they've seen their better day until this maybe next maybe we keep it going it's going to be up to caleb williams and drake may shadur sanders quinn ewers and maybe these guys save the day maybe this next group of quarterbacks are truly legendary maybe all right but right now they're eight out of 32 franchise quarterbacks in this entire league. Quite frankly, four teams have don't even have a real legitimate starter, which is nuts. Top 50 amongst 
flex positions, running backs, receivers, tight ends, 18 running backs, 26 wide receivers, six big jump for tight ends. All right. Last year is 21 running backs, 24 wide receivers and five tight ends. Finally, tight ends jumped up in 2022. On average, 20.1 running backs in the top 50, 25.1 wide receivers, and 4.8 tight ends. So, again, I hate – I don't like doing shows like this where I'm just reading fucking data off to you guys. But what this means is that, for one, the separation of the, the elite quarterback is more important than it's been – in previous years, the leverage we have by having a elite level quarterback is greater now than it has been in previous years. That's your Josh Allen, your Jalen Hurts, Herbert. You know, Mahomes is only QB nine right now, folks. You know, still I own Mahomes in several leagues. I'm fine with them doing well, but. You know, he's behind Josh Dobbs and Stroud and Dak Prescott and Sam Howell. You know, Lamar Jackson's still up there. That's what we learn at quarterback. And the running back, they're gone. Ladies and gentlemen, stop bitching about your running backs because they don't fucking exist. One running back is doing what we would want them to do. Two, I'll give three. Christian McCaffrey, Raheem Mostert, and Travis Etienne. Everybody else, there's an 85-point difference between McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs right now. I mean, that's fine. That's, and Josh Jacobs is number four. Number four. Zach Moss is number 11 still. Bijan Robinson, who y'all fucking hated last week, is now running back nine. Rashad White is running back eight somehow. All because of reception. Rashad White still sucks. Brian Robinson... Another one of my late round running back. That guy, I told everybody, one of my entire predictions for the entire season on record, we're all going to regret not drafting Brian Robinson. And what do you know? There he is. DeAndre Swift, another one of my guys, running back 10. But again, it's just kind of blah. Not a lot of production from the running back position. On a per game basis, there are n- um, nine running backs, right? With over, if we lower it to six, let's lower it to six game minimum, which isn't even great. T- technically not qualified, but there are 10, 10 running backs that average over 15 points a game. You know what that number was at this point last year? That number was 14. You know what it was two years ago? That number was 15. You know what it was four years ago? 16. It's a lot more. So when you have more producers at a position, it's easier. hate using that word, but it's the truth. But that's what it is. Running backs, you're not winning with your running backs, right? Here's the, the, the rub of it all. And let me get into this. I'll, I'll, let me go into this. So continue the, the data processing and stuff. So this year right now, a top 12 quarterback, how many points do you think they have? Just, just a, an FYI, 
if we did all players, like Josh Allen is the number one f- player in fantasy football right now. Yeah, I know. Everyone hates him, and he sucks, and he turns over, yada, yada, yada. But in fantasy football, he's a god. So he's got, you know, 225 points, and that's more than anybody else in the game. So there's that. All right? Um, Tyreek Hill, McCaffrey, Hurts, Allen, these are the top five. The amount of points to be a top 12 performer, right? Overall, top 12, 159.8. Roughly what the quarterback top 12 is. The quarterback in the 159.3 to be a top 12 player right now through 10 weeks. Again, and the nice thing to do after 10 weeks is that's easy math, right? 15.9 points. You want 15 plus points which is absolutely what you fucking want. How about running back? Running back, 125.68 gets you into the top 12 of scoring at that position. And top 12 is because that's an RB1. 12-team league, most leagues, everybody gets one of the top 12, right? You know, you use that. Running back 12 right now is Derrick Henry, who just had a fucking awful game. 125.68. Wide receivers? Now, this is it. This is it here. To be a top 12, you have to have 152 points. 152.7. Right? 27 points more than a running back? It's a lot. Fuck, you know, let's assume they played nine games, three, three points per game. It's fucking ton. It's a ton. It's just seven points less than quarterbacks. Elite. Wide receivers. Tight ends. Tight ends suck. 89.3 points. That's that's what you need to be a top 12 right now at that position. All right. That means you're a tight end one. Okay. Now, let's look at last year because I think th- this is where you start realizing it even more. Last year to be a top 12 quarterback through 10 weeks, you needed 161.2 points. That number is close. 159 to 161. All right. Yeah. It's about the same. At running back, 125.68 to be a top 12 at the position right now as we sit in this chair. Last year, you needed 138.7 points to be a top 12. 13 more points at that position. Wide receivers, 134.1. Yeah, less than running backs. Almost 20 points less to be a top 12 receiver after 10 weeks in 2022 than it is right now. All right, right there. What does that tell us? Tells us what I where I was going with the previous comparison. Elite wide receivers rule this fucking world. Change your thinking. If, did you grow up with Terrell Davis and Clinton Portis? And LaDainian Tomlinson and Priest Holmes and all these guys running shit in your leagues and you had to get one of them to win. Maybe it was fucking Eddie George. You didn't play PPR back then. Maybe that was it. Were those the guys? If that's the game you remember, maybe I'm on green if you were in a PPR league, you know, back in these days. Adrian Peterson, of course. Fucking Brian Westbrook. Westbrook was never that good. So probably doesn't in that in this guy, Aaron Foster. 
Right. Well, guess who the new fucking Priest Holmes, fucking Clinton Portis, LaDainia Tomlinson. They're Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, C.D. Lamb, Jamar Chase. That's the new ones. That's the new elite running backs. That's it. Clearly. Show me at Jeff underscore mans. I dare you. Show me a losing team with at least one of those six wide receivers. Maybe a chase because he got off to a slow start, but I doubt it. These guys are carrying you to championships, right? I mean, they just are. There's no, there's not that big of a separation. The separation, there's four different wide receivers, Tyree, Keenan, Al, AJ Brown, Stephon, Diggs, all with over 200 fantasy points. The CD Lamb is on her 98.2. They're all right there. Remember, Christian McCaffrey had 50 more points than wide running back four. Nobody, only he had over 200 points, let alone 220. Big difference. Let's expand it. Top 24. Eh, quarterback, this is where it gets way down. 105.74 to be a top 24 quarterback. That's just dog shit. Again, 159 to be a top 12, and at 50 less points. Come on, man. Fucking nine points a game almost, man. I'm sorry, five points a game. I got my math backwards. That's fucking garbage. But that's what we start in a Superflex PPR or Superflex a two QB league. Running backs to be a top 24, which qualifies you as a an RB2, 106.3. That's it. That's it. Now, in fairness, last year, 2002, it was just 102.1. So a little less last year, surprisingly. But over average, that number is 112 over the last five years at running back, right? So it's been higher, much higher bar to get in a running back too. We see a tremendous drop off there. Wide receivers, 120.3, top 24. That's a pretty big drop too. Can't ignore that. Last year though, it was just 110. So it's 10 points higher. So obviously having elite caliber wide receivers over on the day because if you have, if you do your job and you have, let's say you have fucking A.J. Brown or Keenan Allen, right? Uh, two guys, by the way, very high on fantasyguru.com. Um, and then you have, and you dip and you have one of the, a wide receiver two that you start every single week in that group, which by the way, like Mike Evans would be a nice one, even though he's a wide receiver one, he is number 12. But, Devontae Adams, again, everyone's disappointed with Adams because he's not a one, but he is a two. Terry McLaurin, who we were super high on. Mari Cooper, who we were super high on. Cortland Sutton, that we were super high on. Jacoby Myers, Brandon Ayuk. If you have one of those guys, you're sitting pretty too. Now, I challenge you, show me a team where you have two of the top 24. And you have one of the top 12 and another top 24 receiver. Show me a losing record with two of those guys. You, it's not going to happen. They're driving the bus. They are driving the fucking bus. All right. Tight end sucks. To be a top 24, you need 51 points. 
Again, that's why uh, tight ends are just garbage. Top, you get outside the top 12, it's garbage. 89 points, top 12, 51 a tight end. They could fuck off the rest of it. Now you get into top 36. And again, quarterbacks and tight ends fall off the earth because there just aren't 36 at those positions. But running backs or receivers, this is the group we commonly use as our flex plays. Running back twos, wide receivers threes. Wide receiver threes normally start. 73.1 points is all you need right now to be a running back three. All right. If you do 73.1, and obviously you divide it by 10, and you get seven points a game. I mean, that's just absolutely atrocious. Let's say they had a, a, a game off of what is it? Eight and a half points a game, roughly eight points a game. You can't fucking win with that wide receiver. 103.3. Well, there you go. That's why we start three wide receivers and also wide wide receivers make better flex. They're scoring more points. Last year, that number was just um, 97.2. So wide receiver production from 25 to 36 is up as well. If we expanded it, going into top 48 running backs, 56.1 to 88 even for wide receivers. Right? In top 60, it goes to 31, which is non-existent, to 67. So again... You can a top 60 wide receiver is just under the equivalent to a top 36 running back right now in fantasy football. There you go. I I hope that drives home the point. I hope that you know illustrates it. Again, probably maybe some of you are like, oh, I knew this, Trev. I know, but this is data. This is important. This is truth. This is what it is. How do we change? Well. Again, if you have two elite-level running backs, you could win. And by the way, I'm not going to sit here. I know next year I'm not going to be the guy saying don't draft any running backs in the first round. You get the right running back, and it's worth its weight in fucking gold because they're such a precious commodity. But again, you all we have to play this game knowing that there's only going to be three in the top ten. Six in the top 20, roughly. We can't draft. Fuck, there's been 15 historical ADPs. There's 15 of the top 24 picks or running back. Yet the number that you actually get that, I mean, when you start, it's one thing if, to draft 15 and three of them or four of them fail. But when nine of them or 10 of them fail, you're fine. I mean, you're. It's literally playing Russian roulette. It's a terrible idea. All right. So anyway, I'll move on from that. I know uh, I've barked a lot here this episode, and I want to get to uh, some other stuff. I want to get into the uh, Thursday night football bet. I got Survivor and all that to do as well. Thursday night football. Well, a good game this time. Like we got some good primetime games finally coming up. Cincinnati and Baltimore. Boy, Cincinnati losing against Houston, that is just uh, an absolute downright brutal loss for the Bengals. This game, the Bengals could have, like, winning, beating Houston, then, all right, you give one up to Baltimore, still very much in it. Losing to Houston, and now if they don't win this week, 
they're basically right there with the Bills. They're on the fucking outside. Right? They're on the outside now. They're buried on the outside, though. You can't fuck around like this in the AFC. So this is this is going to be a massive, massive game for the Cincinnati Bengals, and nothing logically tells me they can win. Nothing that I've seen this year says they could win this game. You know, it was a close one last time out uh, at home against Baltimore, 27-24, and Burrow was still hurt and banged up and all that. But here's what I am going. Here's what I do recommend. All right, my betting bar will be open for Thursday Night Football, exclusively fantasyguru.com. I'll give you the bet that I'm I, – I want the Bengals with the points. If I did a money line bet, it would be the Ravens. And Ravens are about 190 right now, which is a good bet. That's fine. I may ultimately wind up taking that because I think the Ravens will win the game because that's what the Ravens do. But I do not think – the Bengals simply cannot go down without a fight. And Joe Burrow simply will not let it happen. There's going to be a fight. Give me the Bengals plus 10 and a half. All right. That's a minus 350 right now. But again, and it's going to be up to you to combine it with some other bets. And, you know, when we look at a game total in this one, a 46. Now that's delightful to me. Because unders is just where it's at. So when you get something like 46 and you can pump that some bitch up to 55 and a half, you know, 53 and a half, 54 and a half, 55 and a half, right around there, give yourself some leeway. Now all of a sudden that bet becomes a minus 143. That's a very capable, um, you know, that that's a very solid amount. 70 cents on the dollar-ish, 140, I think, is is about what you get. So, but Bengals plus 10 is the way to go. If you wanted to throw in um, the passing props, it's going to be tough. Alt-line passing for Joe Burrow, something around 225. Make for a good number there. Also, on the Ravens, other bets that I'm looking at, Zay Flowers, I'm going to hit that alt-reception line, I'm sure. I think this is a big game for Zay Flowers. I think it's a real big spot and a big game for him. He's been kind of quiet, laying in wait lately. So those are the bets that I'm looking at so far. Bengals plus 10.5 is the one that's on the books, though. Let's let's lock that one in for Thursday Night Football. Survivor picks. Well, um, so to be transparent with everybody, you know, we're in the Circa Survivor Contest. For those that don't know, it's $9 million in, in the contest. There were, whatever, 9,000 people, I believe, in it total. And um, they are, a lot of them are out. We went from like 9,400 people to just over 600 left. I had multiple entries, two entries to be exact, into this contest. Um, one with our group over at fantasyguru.com and one solo, and uh, sadly, the group one went out last week. Solo one kept going. Uh, sucks when that happens. I'm not the kind of person that likes. I would rather have the group win any day of the week, and I said this on the XM show, and it's why I just don't. 
we have great analysts. Everyone's smart. Everyone's good. Consensus doesn't work, right? Consensus doesn't work. Those of you that use consensus rankings, you're you're fucking yourself in your own ass. It's a terrible, awful way to play a skill game. You, the one thing you don't want to do is what everybody else thinks you should. You get no edge doing that. You get no advantage. Quite frankly, the fantasy sports industry has become a, a nation of scared people. And I understand why they're scared. I don't like it. I get blasted for everything I do. Every moment of every day, no matter what, I get blasted for it. I mean, and when I say no matter what, I literally mean no matter what. Because I'm different and I will say things that I believe and and like some of you, why I have to, I don't have to, but I say it on the show. I'm going to offend you because I'll, I'll say something like, uh, you know, Biden and Trump suck. You know what I mean? Like the same fucking presidents, little 90 year old pieces of shit. And then you guys will get mad and take offense because you prefer a certain side. And thus you'll complain Try to get me canceled, which many it's been done a hundred thousand times. Show is just too fucking popular, man. I don't know what to tell you. Show is too popular. They ain't canceling me, man. They're just not going to do it. I've been through the ringer on some real hard talks and stuff. They ain't going to do it. So tough titty. <laughs> um, But again, you take offense and then it gets back to people and they tell you, Oh, you shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't say that. And so eventually you just get all watered down information. Everybody's neutral on everything. They're only bullish on players that they know it's legal. It's socially acceptable. Like right now you're going to hear about Keaton Mitchell, CJ Stroud, right? All it's the same group of people over and over again saying the same thing. And the minute they don't do well, if Keaton Mitchell has 10 yards on Thursday night and CJ Stroud throws six picks, they don't, there's no payoff. They don't say anything. They just move on to the next group of people, the next two, three people, players that did really well. That's all it is. And in in a survivor contest and DFS, you can't win by fitting in. Can't do it. I And when I, I say can't, I mean you absolutely, positively, in the history of this game, history of it, never been done once. Never one time did somebody just nice and safely and easily go through and pick all the right justifiable plays that are, no, nope, never happened, and it will never happen. And that's unfortunately what we get with the consensus no matter how good that consensus is, if everybody's afraid to, to say, take a sharp take, for instance, we had the uh, this discussion amongst our group, I'll just out and say it, um, to take the Chicago Bears last Thursday night. And it you would have thought somebody pissed in everybody's cornflakes. Nobody would even entertain it. Wouldn't even think of it. I mean, wouldn't even consider it. And again, I didn't want to, uh, the Bears, ugh, nightmare. It was, I, I did accept the idea. I 
was in on the idea. Ultimately, I would have probably not done it. But I did want to have that conversation. Nobody else wanted to have that conversation. And the reason they didn't want to, because the Bears are a bad team, but the Bears also are a team. If you can play the second worst team in the league and win with them, do you know what kind of massive advantage it puts you over the entire field? A huge, huge one. That's what it does. Huge. That's how you win a survivor contest. You have to be able, you're going to have to play a team that isn't good in a great situation, but in a good situation. The earlier you do it, the more leverage you have later. Everybody else uses the good teams first. And then by the time we get to week 10, 11, 12, you're out of good teams and now you're they're all fucked and they don't know how to analyze football. They don't, but if you already use some shitty teams, and like my entry, I still got Kansas City, Philadelphia, Detroit. Right? I still got, and I know how to play this game. I'll, I'll I'll lose this week. I'm sure of it. I'm sure something like that will happen. But I'm, you know, positioning myself so that there's a chance you can close this fucker out. I don't want to compete in anything. I don't want to play ten weeks of Survivor or six weeks of Survivor. I want to win the fucking money. It's like building a DFS lineup. I don't give a fuck about building. I want to win the fucking money. I don't care about how good it feels. I don't care about lineup trains or no lineup train or yes or no. I don't care about this or that. I care about winning. And if I can't win, then it's not worth doing. If you don't have a path to victory, you shouldn't be doing it. Don't compete. Anyway, survivor teams this week. Obviously the Cowboys, but if you're in Circa and some the reason we didn't use Dallas in our main entry um this past week was because we needed Dallas on Thanksgiving. Because they play Washington Commanders, and you have to have a team on, on Thanksgiving. I told our group this over and over and over. And yet the first few weeks of the year, we used like Detroit and we we really blazed through that. So thus we got to week 10 last week. We couldn't use Dallas in a smash matchup. We couldn't use them because they they were literally the only team we had left for Thanksgiving, the three game slate. And that's what happens to a lot of people in the circuit contest. And it's like that for Christmas too. So if you don't save those teams, then you are kind of shit out of luck. You'll get eliminated on those slates. Anyway, um, so if you can't, if you could use Dallas, they're the obvious first choice. We didn't lose them last week. My second choice this week, I'm going to use Washington. Washington's the way to go. Listen, Detroit's in a good situation against Chicago. No question about that. San Francisco's in a great situation against Tampa Bay. No question about that. But if you have any of those teams left, save them. You're going to need... I would rather play a good team, use a team like San Francisco, Miami, Detroit against a tough opponent late than I would want to use them early against a weak opponent. You know what I mean? You, If you have your fate in your hands in Survivor, you want it in the hands of a good team. 
you don't want the Bears controlling your fate in weeks 15, 16, 17. You don't want to have to say, I guess the Raiders maybe are better. You know, you don't want, I have to choose Tampa. Oh, in a neutral matchup, like, fuck. You don't, you won't close that. You won't close that. Give me Kansas City, give me Philly against the quality opponent, and you're in a lot better spot. So though that's my bet. That's my survivor picks of the week. That is going to do it for episode 182. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. More analytical episode than normal. Get some recap in there as well. Remember, $100 rest of the season, fantasyguru.com, NFL package. You get everything. You get all the bets. All the DFS, all the seasonal stuff, game script articles, buy low, sell high, trades, waivers, roster trends, um, 24-7 live advice for all three varieties, seasonal, daily, access to the man's cave where we watch games and hang out during all the primetime games, all NFL season long. Remember, there's 12, 12 weeks left of the NFL season. So plenty of freaking time when you take that $100 and you divide it by a week on a weekly basis. It's what, eight bucks? Eight dollars a week? Get out of here. Get over there. Fantasyguru.com. Give yourself an early holiday present. Join us for the basketball season, the NBA watch along Wednesdays, every Wednesday through the end of the NFL season. Then we're gonna do it every fucking night. I'm gonna watch NBA with y'all every fucking night. Just Fensterman. Armando Marsal, the whole group over there, man, we're having a blast. Largest fan is active fantasy community in the world. Get over there. Check it out. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. That'll do it for episode 182. Thank you for downloading, liking, favoring, subscribing, commenting. It's so appreciative of you all. Thank you for listening in. Remember, you may disagree with some or maybe every damn thing you heard on today's show. And ladies and gentlemen, that's perfectly all right. We're adults. And this, this was just one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. See you then. Deuces.